Okay, Parsha Shmini Tavshin Pei Aleph, those who are uh, listening out there in the worldwide uh, Parsha Shear world. This is the first shear in over a year that we are back in our shul having the shear, so it is very miragesh, it's very uh, special, uh, tremendous uh, feelings of hodot HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We take every shear uh, one at a time, nothing is taken for granted, and... Uh, what we've learned over the past year is that miyodeya uh, machar, miyodeya in five minutes from now. So right now we have a shir in shul, baruch Hashem, siyata deshmaya, and uh, we hope to have many more shirim uh, as we try, as has been said, not to get back to normal. Because we shouldn't just say, okay, we've been over it, now we're back to what was. We have to take the past year and learn from it. And however we, um, you know, develop and hopefully grew over the past year and continue to grow. As Rahman al-Islan, we're, we're not, we're not out of it. Baruch Hashem here in Eretz Yisrael, there's, uh, the numbers are, are Baruch Hashem, uh, all in the, uh, <coughs> in the right direction. And, but, uh, we, we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for each and every, for each and every, uh, moment of of normalcy, quote, uh, so to speak, and and moment of learning together in person, it's really something very uh, very special. So here we are, Parsha Shmini, uh, after uh, Pesach, and we start the Pesach to Shavuos. We're not going to talk about Sevira this week, but uh, there'll be other weeks by the Shem that we get into it. But here we'll focus on Shmini. That's the Parsha that we sometimes don't even get a chance to talk about because it's uh, attached to Pesach or there's no time for a shear. But we get to do it this week, and we start off with a one-liner, uh, a good one to remember, a back pocket, as I like to call it. Darosh Darash. Darosh Darash. So that is a Gemara in Meseches Kedushin, where the Gemara talks about what is the middle letter of the Torah, what is the middle word in Tehillim. But the Gemara says, Darosh Darash, those two words, which we don't even have to do the context, in the context of Aaron Cohen's sons dying and Moshe Rabbeinu searching out to try to figure out, you know, what exactly happened. The Gemara says that that's exactly the midpoint of the Torah. Darosh Darash, Chatsi Torah. Chatsi Torah. So if you look in the Mayan Shal Torah, he quotes from the Dagamach Ephraim, that maybe there's a, there's a deeper idea here. Darosh Darash, Kan Chatsi Torah. As we know, Torah Shebechsav, Torah Shebalpeh, together make up Torah, the written law and the oral law, right? The Gemara says in Brachas, they were both given at Har Sinai. Har Sinai was not just the Aseris Adibros, but it was all the commentary and every detail of every law. It didn't just say the Pesukim about Tefillin. At Har Sinai, it was given, they have to be black, they have to be square, they have to have straps, exact, all the details, Torah Shebechsav and Torah Shebalpeh are a unit. Al Yedea Torah Shebalpeh nechsafim ha'otsaros ha'genuzim. Through Torah Shebalpeh we uncover the treasures that are hidden. V'ha'kavanas ha'amukos Shebatorah Shebechsav. He doesn't quote it, but there's a beautiful t- part of it. It's the tour part of it. I think it's the Kafachayim explaining the tour. When we go get an aliyah, when we go up to get an aliyah, we say, Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Ha'amim V'nasan Lano Es Toraso. That refers to Torah Shebechsav. Right, Hashem gave us the Nasan The bracha that we say after the Aliyah, we say the Chayi Olam Hashem planted within us. That's a reference to Torah Shabbat. So why is that before and after? When we go up to get an Aliyah, we see the words in front of us. We see the Ksav. We see we see the the parchment. So we see Torah Shabbat. So that's why we say the bracha of Asher Bachar Banu. Hashem gave us the Torah Shabbat. After we get the Aliyah and we hear the words and we realize there's so much depth, there's so much behind every letter and every word, so we make a bracha on Torah Shabbat. 
right after we get the Aliyah. That's before and after. That's Asher Bachar Banu, Asher Nasan Lanu. So that's back to the uh, Dego Machan Ephraim. See, so quotes, without the Torah Shaval Peh, Biladi ha Torah Shaval Peh, Eina Torah Shibachsav, Ela Machsa Shal Sefer. Torah Shibachsav is just only half the story. Shakol Bo Sasum Mimenu, it'll all be hidden. Chachamenu Burakacham, Heirus Einenu Bidrasho Seyem. Through the Drashos Chazal, are revealed everything behind the words. The 13 Midos that the Torah is darshaned, is analyzed through. So that we can remember and understand the Torah. And that's Darosh Darash, Zuchatzi Torah. Darosh Darash, the Drashos, the way we darshan the Torah, that's half the Torah. That's Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat is what we see. Darosh Darash. Zechati Torah, again, the Pshuto Shalmik, Pshuto Chazal, right in between there is the midpoint of the Psukim. But Zechati Torah, Drushus, right, Torah Shalal Peh, that's Chati Torah, and we know we need to dedicate ourselves to, um, to both. As we know, that's the godless, we mentioned this in the past, the godless of the concept of Dafyomi. Because Rabbi Ami and Mesechas Brachas connected all Jews through the Torah Shabbat by Mashlam Parshiosa Vimatzibor, by studying the same text of Torah Shebechsav every week, Romer Shapiro took that same idea into Torah Shebalpeh and connected all Jews learning, whether it's Daf Yomi, whether it's Mishnah Yomi, Daf Yomi is the most popular, but any of them connecting through Torah Shebalpeh, and that is Darosh Darash Kan Chatzi HaTorah. Okay, now let's get into Shmini. Vayibi Yom Shmini. Right, it's the it's the eighth day. We've kind of lost track of the story a little bit in the in what's going on in the Torah. Right, Bereshit and Shmos, we remember the story, and then all of a sudden we get to Truma, like uh, we take a stop, and uh, all of a sudden there's just Torah, and then Kisisa, we get the story again, and then Yakav it's Torah. So where are we? Where are we? So we've built a Mishkan. That's where we are. We received the Torah. We built the Mishkan. We started building it the day after Yom Kippur. Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Sivui. We built it. And then it was the following Rosh Chodesh Nisan, when it was the eighth day after the Shiva Simea Miluim. This is the first day of starting the whole service. See, Vahibi Yamashmini, Moshe calls Kara Moshe La'ar, Levada, Lazikna Yisrael, and he tells them this is the special avoda to do for Shmini, for the, uh, the eighth day, and this is going to consecrate the, um, the Mishkan. Fine, and we get to the whole, um, discussion, and we have this is what you shall do. And Moshe says to Aaron in Pasuk Zion, Go close to the Mizbeach. Bring your chatas, bring your ola, and bring kapara. Aaron, come. So Chazal pick up on this already. What does that mean? Moshe is saying to Aaron, come close, as if you get the impression that Aaron was a little hesitant. Aaron was a little tentative. What do you mean, come close? Just say, do the avoda. No, no, come, Aaron, come, come. Krav. That word alludes to something, says Rashi. Krav alam is beach. Shahaya Aaron bosh viyari lageshes. Aaron Akoin was embarrassed, nervous. Right? We've spoken about this a bit. What was he nervous about? Aaron had somewhat of a mechanism. We'll talk about that in a minute. That always went off. He always felt guilty. He always felt unworthy because of what happened to Parshas Kisisa. Whatever Aaron's role was in the Egel, it was something. And therefore, he felt it. 
So Amar la Moshe, Lamatabosh, Moshe says, what are you embarrassed about? Lakach nivcharta. For this you were chosen. What does that mean? Lakach nivcharta. Lakach, therefore, it's like, this is exactly why you were chosen. What's the exactly why? What's the Lakach nivcharta? What's Rashi emphasizing? So says Rabbi Sachs, in his, the last sefer that he published in his lifetime, in Judaism's life-changing ideas, he quotes at the beginning, Have you ever felt inadequate to a task you have been assigned or a job you have been given? Has there been a moment when you felt like a faker, a fraud, and at that some time you'd be found out and discovered to be the weak, fallible, imperfect human being you know in your heart you are? You ever get credit for something that I don't, I don't think I deserve and they're giving me covet? Turn the page. Says Rabbi Sachs, this is a syndrome called imposter syndrome. Many very successful people have it. People who suffer from it feel that they do not deserve the success they have achieved. They attribute it not to their effort and ability, but to luck or timing, or I might add, or to humility. Or recognizing that it's not me. It just so happened Remember Moshe Rabbein, the beginning of Vayikra? He didn't want to write Vayikra. Vayikar, it just so happened that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to me. Not Vayikra, no, Vayikar. Or to the fact that they have deceived others into thinking that they're better than they actually are. It turns out to be surprisingly widespread, or particularly so among high achievers. What's Rashi telling us about Aaron? Again, this is based on Chazal. We're not attributing anything beyond but Aaron, Aaron didn't feel that he was the right person because of what he was involved in. You know, how could I... He took part in something. Maybe he was scared for his life because he saw Hur, his nephew, was killed. Right? Whatever the reason, Aaron was involved. He took the gold, he threw it in. He was not successful in holding off the mob. Maybe it was an impossible situation, but he still felt. Aaron allowed it to happen at least the lowest level that we could say. He didn't take part in it. This was a man on the top right, profoundly uncomfortable with his role in one of the most disastrous episodes in the Torah. And now he was being called upon to atone for it. Was he not himself a sinner? How could he stand before God and the people and assume the role of the holiest of men? And he knew, right, the coin God was going on in Yom Kippur, in Kategor Nasasanegar. You don't wear gold. But Moshe says, Aaron, lakach nivcharta. That's exactly why Hashem wants you. You know what it feels like to have done something, even the slightest of the slight in Aaron's case, right? Kachut asaira, the tzaddikim. But you want to come back. And you don't want that, that stain on your record. Chas v'shalom. It was for this that you were chosen. The task of the Kohen Gadol is to atone for people's sins. It was his role on Yom Kippur to bring Kapara. That's exactly what I need you for. You feel a little bad about it? Great! You know what it's like. You know what it feels like to feel a little guilt. You have felt the cry of your soul to be cleansed, purified, wiped, free of the stain of transgression. What you think is your greatest weakness will become in this role you're about to assume your greatest strength. Exactly that you feel you shouldn't do it, that's exactly why Hashem wants you to do it. Your bosh, if it was somebody who didn't recognize anything wrong that happened, 
and somebody who feels Magiali, I am the right man for the job. Hashem doesn't want that. That's not the situation here. So Moshe says to Aaron, Lakach Nevcharta. And now Rabbi Sack says, and you know how Moshe was able to do this to Aaron? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it to Moshe himself. If we think back a couple of Svarim in Parsha Shmos, what does Moshe say at the Sneh? After saying that maybe B'nai Yisrael don't deserve it, and the last time he was with the Jews, they ran him out of town, at least two of them, right? His life was on the line, right? They were Diltorim, as Rashi quotes. But what did Moshe then say? Over and over until Hashem get angry at him. Right, he quotes the Psukim. Right? I am not. I'll go back to the Psukim inside. Let's read them in the Hebrew. If you look back to Parsha Shmos, Moshe's bargaining. He does not want to go. And what does he say? They're going to believe you. I'm not the man for the job. I'm not. I can't talk properly. Hashem says, I give the power of speech. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'll be with you. Moshe says again, Send somebody else. Said Aaron, the Pirkei says, Send Elio Anavi. Send somebody else. Don't, I'm not the right man. Just like Aaron says in our parsha. He was Bosch. Moshe Rabbeinu was also Bosch. Vayichar Hashem finally has to get angry and says, Aaron will be happy for you, but you're going, he'll be with you. And he didn't give Moshe a choice. But that's exactly the same type of idea. Turning over the page now. The people who could sway crowds with their oratory are generally speaking not prophets. Often they are or become dictators and tyrants. They use their power of speech to acquire more dangerous forms of power. God does not choose people who speak with their own voice, telling the crowds what they want to hear. He chooses people who are fully aware of their inadequacies, who stammer literally or metaphorically, who speak not because they want to, but because they have to. They need to tell people what they need to hear. And who tell people what they do not want to hear, but what they must hear to save themselves. Unbelievable. Moshe and Aaron in their different ways had to wrestle with themselves. Moshe was not a natural leader. Aaron was not a natural Kohen. But they each had to fight through it. Fight through their own feelings of, I'm not the right person. Right? And that's, it's really a Mishnah Perkiavos. Remember the Mishnah Perkiavos? Right? Something like that. Whoever runs away from Kavit, Kavit runs after them. Because if somebody's running, running to Kavit, right? Somebody once asked his Rebbe, Rebbe, I don't understand, I'm running away from Kavit, so why isn't it coming to me? He's like, yeah, but you keep looking back. <laughs> keep looking back. Right? So they, but, you know, it has to be true. True running away from Kavit. Moshe and Aaron ran away from Kavit. That's why they were our greatest leaders, and that's what we have to recognize. And that he says, Think of those who have suffered tragedy and then devote their lives to alleviating the suffering of others. That's an amazing line. How many organizations were started out of tragedy, out of, out of loss? And those people, the families involved, found a way to then go and take their suffering to alleviate the suffering of others. 
Think of those who, conscious of their failings, use that consciousness to help others overcome their own sense of failure. And then he says at the end, better by far to know you are imperfect than to believe that you are perfect. God loves us and believe. I, I'm just, you can't say it better than Rabbi Sachs, so just reading his words. God loves us and believes in us despite and sometimes because of our imperfections. Our weaknesses make us human. Wrestling with them makes us strong. Lakach nivcharta, says Rabbi Sachs. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Aaron. That's exactly why I want you. You don't feel like you're the right person. You are in the eyes of Hashem. Okay. Moving right along. So we have the chait on this wonderful, amazing day. Tragedy strikes. We have the chait of the sons of Aaron. The fire goes down. So they each take their shovel of hot burning coals. They, they bring close in front of Hashem a strange fire that Hashem didn't command them. We've often mentioned Chazal have five or six opinions. What exactly was the chait of Nadav and Aviyu? Even though the Torah says exactly what the chait was. They brought a strange fire that Hashem didn't command them. And yet Chazal have, oh, they went into the base of Migdash drunk. Or they didn't get married. Or they paskened in front of Moshe. All different opinions uh, what exactly they did. All maybe have the same root because all of those are Eish Zaras. We mentioned in the past, I think for the Beis HaLevi from the Nitziv, the Nitziv says it also. All of them were trying to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in ways that God didn't command. If I drink wine, I'll feel great in a state to serve Hashem. If I don't get married, you know, isn't that what Hashem wants? To be totally holy. I know the Halacha, doesn't he want to show, to show how excited I am about the Torah? The Ber Yosef also goes with the approach that it can't be that Aaron's two sons were were so wicked that they would say, I didn't even mention this opinion, right? But Rashi quotes the Gemara Sanhedrin, the most extreme, one of the most extremes. Look at the beginning of source number five. Kfar Moshe Aaron Mahalchin Baderach. Moshe and Aaron would walk on the way. Venadav Aviyu Mahalchin Acharehem. Nadav Aviyu would follow them. Vekal Yisrael Acharehem. Amr Lo Nadav La Aviyu. If we take a kipshuto, it's so crass, so brazen. One of these old guys going to die already so we could be the leaders of the generation. How can we say that about Aaron's sons? How can we say that? Even to take it literally, the most... Who would say that? Okay, an Erev Rav might say that. Or uh, others. Right? Adasan and Aviram, maybe. Maybe, I'm not... Maybe, but Nadav and Aviu? You want to know who's going to die first? Let's see who's going to, who's going to die first. Right, sometimes you have baskols coming in. Fine. Says the Bear Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Misalant, It's impossible. Chalila to think about these two Kadoshi Elyon, Sheba Amirasa, Masaya, Musa, Shrezakinim Alalu, Haisa Kavanasa, Gdilinuk, Sarara Latsibur. 
to take this kipshuto. It's very hard. There must be something deeper here. Must be something deeper here. Again, trying to, the purpose, the goal was, was pure. But the means and what they did actually was a terrible hate. So what is his pshat? Different pshat than that we have mentioned in the past. Hakol line 16. They wanted to be close to Hashem, as many say. Vine Yadua, line 20. Shahamanhig Olev Yored Kifi Madregas Hador. It's known, based on other Chazals, the leader of each generation is matim and fitting for the generation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it, makes it fitting. Im Hador Ole, Misale, Hu Gamhu Imo. If the door goes up, then the leader goes up. And if the door goes down, the leader also has to go down to stay with his door. Not chasvishalam in terms of, of, you know, if the generation is doing a certain number of averis, I, I could also, you know, be a little flexible. No, chasvishalam. But in terms of, let's say, how much contact, direct contact there is between God and the leader, that will depend on the generation. As we know, Moshe raid, Moshe raid Right, Moshe, go down. Go down. And as we know, all 38 years in the midbar, Hashem did not speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. Chazal mentioned that. So the, the manhig goes with and fits with the door. Moshe had the greatest generation in history. The Dardaya, the door that saw, that the Shivcha saw, what Yechezkel Bambuzi saw, they had mun. Vine dar midbar haya Dardaya. As the Medrash tells us, Darda, the door hamidbar shakulo deya, or he quotes a Zohar. Until Mashiach comes, there's not going to be another generation. So we also have to be careful as we go through the Torah and we read about the Chata'im of the Dordea. Yes, there were sins that we have to learn from them, but we also can't do what's called Begova Inai and put ourselves in their shoes and say they. It's really we. It's really we when we talk about Am Yisrael in the Torah. We in terms of sitting, not we in terms of understanding. Nadavadaviu saw the door that Moshe and Aaron were Zochet to lead. And that's what they were saying. I wish we could lead such a generation. Because then we would also be able to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and communicate with him. So they were really not insulting Moshe and Aaron, but they were bringing up and praising the generation. It was still a terrible thing to say, and that's why they were punished. But, Ro, but it, we could understand it. Verovis bodenu al godel adar azesh olech achareim v'shedar kazel lo yiaod his avu maod shod yizku heim lios manhigi adar azeh dafka kadeshi his alu gam hema lofi his alus hadarahu. So they could also go up. Masha amr masay amusu kavanasam al adar azeh dafka godel dordeva maale. They will go up. Ulam, and he ends off. 
they still still shouldn't have thought that. Yet Moshe and Aaron give them as as many days as they can. They're the greatest leaders, and therefore they were punished. Gives us a little insight, though, into the uh, the way that they spoke. Okay, one halachic point for the evening. There are a number of mitzvahs. Obviously, Hilchas Kashrus are um, are um, found in Shmini and in Re'eh. Uh, but one halacha before we get there. There's a halacha about the Kohanim and a message that we can learn about this halacha. Says the, as a reaction, as a reaction to the, the death of Nadar Nabiu, so the Kohanim received certain halachas. Some of them are, you can't go in drinking, you can't go in certain other halachas. But Yemer Moshe Al-Aaron El-Azar Lisamar Banav, Pasuk Vav, Rashechem Al-Tifra'u. Do not grow your hair long. So in context, that just means do not observe mourning. One of the signs of mourning is growing one's hair long. You're not allowed to take a haircut. Now, all of Kla Yisrael, not, not all, those who hold the first half of Sphira, right? The, the mourning practices based on the death of Talmudia of Rabbi Akiva, as we know, the Gemara says not a word about it. The Gemara says Yavamis just quotes that they all died between Pesach and Shavuos, but none of the customs that we have in Sphira are in Shas. It is all a later... Um, Minhag that started Bizbana Gaonim, which obviously we keep, we keep Minhagim of the Gaonim, uh, but, but there are more kulas, let's say, during Sphira than we would say during the nine days, because the nine days at least has a basis in Shas. Uh, Shur Shachalbo, uh, Av is in Shas too, but, uh, but either way, Avelos is something that, uh, we are all, many of us are observing now. But Rashiach Vatifroth, that's one of the halachas of Sphira. But Chazal Darshan, and learn out from this Pasik, it's not just about Sphira. It's not just about Avelos. Not just about Avelos. If you look at the Sefer Achinuch, Mitzvah Kufmem Tess 149. There is an Isra Daraisa for a Kohen to do the Avoda without a proper haircut. The Kohen has long hair, he cannot do the Avoda. What does a proper haircut mean? Every day, the Gemara does it, not every day, right? Every day, the Gemara says, is only the king. Melech, the Kohen Gadol is once a week. What about Kohanim? So here we go. Shaloyikatsu Akonim, La Mikdash, Migudle Seyar. There's an Issa Daraisa, and we hope, Hashem, that it should be Lamaisa very soon. The Kohanim are not allowed to go into the Mikdash with long hair. Kemoshed Ya'asu Ha'avelim. Klomar, Shlei Gadu Saruseim, Lo Shinemar Rashechon Atifrov, Omar Targum, Lo Sarabun Perua. Right, that means don't grow the hair long. Yecheskel and Avi continue to fera long hair, Lo Yishalechu, sent out, and the Mitzorah also, Vichul. V'ulam nechpala, why is it repeated elsewhere? K'deish lo nachshom, ma'shinemar lo lazuli samar, rashi'echam al-tifro, she'yim mitzad ha'meis bovad. Don't think this is just an avelus halacha, which is the context here. It's, it's repeated elsewhere in the Torah and in Navi. Tells this is a general halacha. U'kshiyas ha'zeh, she'lo al-tzad ha'avel, she'tachshov she'yim mutter, al-kein nisbar ha'kohen gadol, she'zeh b'shvil ha'avoda, she'yitzavei ha'shem lehistaper, that you should, um, that you should get a, should get a uh, a haircut. Fine. What is the message of the of the mitzvah? How often, by the way? He says later on, once a month. Once a month. Stam nazirus shloshim yom. That's you know the haircut. That's what he says in the continuation. It's uh it's once a month. And the Rambam himself holds the chidduch always was the Rambam. Even just walking into the base of Migdash without doing avoda is an isadaraisa. Doing the avoda with long hair is an emisa bidei shemayim. But even just walking into the base of Migdash with the long hair for a Kohen is an Isidaraisa. What about the Israel that are coming to bring their Karbanis? That's not discussed. But at least the Kohen, not discussed here. 
But, uh, but that is the, uh, shita of the Rambam and the Chinuch. The Ramban assumes that maybe it's the Rabbanan. Okay, not the Raisa. But what's the message? That's the halacha. Interesting to learn the halacha. But what's the message? It says in Sefer Chinuch on the left side here, Mishar Shia Mitzvah. Two parts. Huagdalas habayas. As many of the halachas that pertain to the base of Migdash, like Shmira that took place in the base of Migdash, even though, you know, it wasn't, uh, much of the time it wasn't preventing Geneva, just to have guards there. Lahavdil, Buckingham Palace. You have guards there, Lashem, Hagdalas habayas. Because this glorifies this place. If there are people always there. Dressing in a certain way. There's a decorum how to dress. The Chinuch says elsewhere, Big Day Kahuna. And that's why you have to dress in a certain way. And you also have to look presentable in a certain way. And the Halacha decides that once a month, the Kohanim have to look, just get a haircut. And this is a play on the words in the Megillah. And the long hair is a simon of Avelus, and therefore we don't do it. I, somebody might say, but I like the long hair. Kodesh Baruch Hu decided. Kodesh Baruch Hu decided that this is what's appropriate. And if we, just the next step, if we show covet and glory to the Beis HaMikdash, obviously that's mashpia on the people, us, if we are in awe of the Beis HaMikdash. That the mitzvah of Mora Mikdash, we should be in awe of the Mikdash. If we see the Kohanim dressed perfectly and doing the Avoda perfectly and Zrizim, right? The, the Torah says, the Torah says later on in Sefer Dvarim, there's a Torah says in Moab Basra, that says when we, we, when we see the Kohanim in Yerushalayim doing the Avoda, that's, that's one of the most inspiring feelings that we take back with us. And part of it is how they look. And they all look similar in terms of their, in terms of their hair, says the Chedach. It affects the, the base, how we look at the base of English, it affects how the Kohanim look at themselves. Before somebody gets married, they get a haircut. Before somebody has a special event, they make sure to look presentable, to be groomed properly. This is a grooming mitzvah. Right, we have to be groomed appropriately every time we step foot into the base of Mikdash. Right, it should never be lost upon us, even if a Kohen has been doing the avoda for years and decades. Right, same halacha, the same halacha applies. Okay, let's continue. Fascinating. So we get into kashrus. We get into kashrus. Parakid Aleph. We have a couple of non-kosher animals listed, and there is one word that's changed. One word that's changed. Let's see, Parakid Aleph. Which animals should you eat? Those only that have split hooves and shoe is cut. They have split hooves. They chew their cud. They regurgitate the food. Right, it goes down, it goes up. Have you ever seen it? It's mamish malagera. Right, it goes down, and you see it go back up in the neck, and then it comes back down. But the following animals you cannot eat. I think we're safe to translate that as a camel, right? As a gamal, right? The camel chooses God, but does not have split hooves. That's a shafan. I'm not going to translate that. What I will, what I will point out though is that there's one word that's different. By the camel, it says mafris. That's present tense. Shafan, it says Yafris. 
future. Veshar Nevet, let's say that's a rabbit. Veshar Nevet, we at least know it's the wife of Talmai. Kimalas Geira Hi Bufarsalo Hifrisa. Timehilachem. Hifrisa is past tense. So why is one of the non-kosher animals mafris, one is yafris, both of those are zachar, and one is hifrisa, past, present, future. So Rabbi Frand, in his Sefer, Power of Avort, quotes Rabbi Saul Salanter. Quotes Rabbi Saul Salanter. Maybe this is the second back pocket that we could take with us. Maybe everything should be, everything should be back pocket, but either way. The Torah is cautioning us that before you sit, you call somebody not kosher, before you call somebody Tameh, make sure you know the past, the present, and the future of the situation. Because how often could we look at something and judge it in a certain way because we don't know the past? Right, I've heard it in the past called Chapter 3 Syndrome. When we see an event, but it's as if you start a book in Chapter 3. You have no idea What's going on in chapter one and two? So how could you, how could you expect to know what's going on in chapter three? It looks like something, but you have no idea. If you don't know everything about the subject or object you're about to vilify, don't be so quick to rule that it is tummy. And my friend just quotes a story to illustrate this. He quotes that his wife had a uh, colleague at Beis Yaakov of Baltimore who told her the story of a couple who had been Shomer Torah mitzvahs before the Shoah, before the Holocaust, this week is Yom HaShoah. But after experiencing the horrors of the war, the husband dropped all religious observance. Rahman nobody judges, we don't judge anybody. But that's what happened. The wife kept Torah and mitzvahs, but the husband, after what he saw, gave it all up. Gave it all up. After arguing about it for a while, the, fa- the wife finally said, you know, every morning you run out to buy a newspaper and come home and read it cover to cover. Just as a personal favor for me, could you at least bring the newspaper and go sit it and read it in shul? Just sit in the back, Shabbos morning, just sit in the back and read the newspaper, at least you go to shul. He said, I don't want to, but just for you, he loved her, for you I'll go sit in shul and read the newspaper. Makes you happy. For years he would come to shul each morning and sit in the back reading his newspaper while everyone else davened. Now let's be honest. If you saw a fella plop himself down in shul each morning to read a newspaper, never once donning talus and fillin or even opening up a sitter, how would you react? Even if you wouldn't say or do anything in your mind, wouldn't you think, what a shagets? There's no, you can't translate that. How dare he be so disrespectful? Let him read his newspaper at home. And yet nobody ever said anything to him to the credit of the congregants. They befriended him. They invited him to the kiddush. You can't say no to a kiddish, no matter how observant or not observant you are. You know, Chalin just knows no, no boundaries. To make a long story short, this Holocaust survivor stopped reading the newspaper, started davening, and eventually became the president of the shul. Plenty of people would have been too quick to pronounce, Tameulachem! But they didn't see the past. And they didn't see the future. They only saw the present. Mafris, Yafris, Hifrisa. Because in life, we always have to make sure. As parents, as grandparents, as friends, sometimes you walk in, in shul, sometimes as a parent or a grandparent, you walk into a situation and we think who know who the perpetrator is. But the children know better than us. And if we start acting based on chapter 3, it could get us into trouble. 
we always have to make sure, mafris, yafris, hefrisa, to remember the words of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Okay, so those are the three non-kosher animals that are mentioned uh, here, but there's another one. After the Gamal Shafan Arnevis, we get to the Chazir. Vesa Chazir, Kimafris Parsahu, Vishosashesa Parsahu, Geberlo Yigar, Split hooves, but does not chew its cud. Tamehu lachem, mi besar motochelu. The Torah continues: You cannot eat from their flesh. Ubiniv lasam lo sigo. Do not touch their nevela. Right? They are uh, their nevela is metame. Right? Rashi quotes: Yachol Yisrael musharim ramagan nevela. What Yisrael can't become tame? Koanim musharim vein Yisrael musharim. Right? It just means beregel anyan. Okay. Question: If we would ask the average Jew on the street, or maybe even the average non-Jew. What is the most non-kosher animal there is out there? What is the most tummy thing? Obviously, it would be pig. Ham. If he has any non-kosher. What's not kosher? Yes, the average non-Jew on the show. What's not kosher? Pig. Everybody knows pig is not kosher. And yet, the symbol of not kosher, the pig, has one simon kosher. Has split hooves. Shouldn't it be double if it's the most tamay? So we've mentioned in the past the thought of some of the Bali Musar. Oh, that it's even more pernicious. If you're totally tummy, nobody's going near you. If you show, like the Chazal said, like Esau, he shows his feet. Like, Look at me, I'm kosher. So it's even more dangerous, right, to, to think that makes it even more. Okay, that's one shot. But if you look here in the Sefer Lasani Basanu, give me quotes a, a, a shot that he once heard. Another idea. Maybe there's something that we can learn, even from the pig. And the pig has split hooves, dafka in his, in his, whatever, in his feet. That's where the simon is. But maybe it's to teach us something. Shamati levar she'inyin zem alamdenu yisod gadol b'avodas Hashem. Lifamim margish adam koshi gadol b'avodos yisbarach. Often, we feel a difficulty. We feel a koshi in our avoda. I feel like everything's going wrong. Something's, somebody doesn't want me to do this. I'm going to give up. Forget it. I thought this was a project that I wanted to do, but, you know, I wanted to be Maver Sedra, but it's too hard for me. I can't. The Rashis are too long. I already see on the horizon, Tazriya Mitzara, Chaymas Kadoshim, forget it. I'm going to do Right, if we do half a parasha, it's also good. Right, if we get through Rishon, it's also whatever we're up to. But we always give up before we push and push, but often we say, forget it. It's the Yetzahara. It's hard. Give up. The Adaraba. A loveless car. We have to remember that life's about challenges. Who in life didn't have any challenges? What, David HaMelech? Who were the most successful people in the history of Am Yisrael? Let's say David HaMelech didn't have any challenges. Yaakov Avinu didn't have any challenges. Rashi lived through the Crusades. Didn't have any challenges. Rabbi Akiva. We think throughout history. Rahman al-Islan. Everybody. We recognize that that's we have to just try to keep pushing. With each other's help. What, the last year wasn't challenging for every single person in the, in the, in the world? In some way. 
But how do we get through it with each other? But sometimes we just have to be determined. Try again. And how do you, where do you learn that? You learn that from the pig. Why do you learn that from the pig? I tried to find this online a little bit today. Didn't find it. Teva chazirhu sha'af im megarshim oso. Even if you try to get rid of a pig, he comes back. You try to push a pig out of the pen, it'll try to get back into the pen. Every time you push him out, he's going to come back, he's going to come back. And that's why he's called a chazer. Lachzor. Right? Every Hebrew word, Lashon Kodesh, is about the machus. Remember, Adam Arishon was brought every animal, he named them the animal. Camel means nothing. Gamal has some type of meaning. We might not understand each one. But every name of the animal, sus, has a meaning. There's two samachs surrounded by a vav. Every, every word of an animal somehow reflects its, its essence. Aryeh. Six different words to, to mean Aryeh in, uh, in Tanakh. Zuasiba. That means called the Chazir from Lashon Chazar. He keeps going back and back and back. So Dafka in his legs, he has a simon kashras. To be marames and to teach us that we have to keep going back and keep going back and, and not to give up. See, even from a pig, we could, we can learn something. Yes, there's a medrash we mentioned in past years. Maybe it's called Chazir because when Mashiach comes, even he, even a pig is going to become Tar. Whatever that means, what does that mean? Torah is not going to change. We're going to have the same Allah is. Is the pig going to change? The pig's going to start chewing its cud? No, we don't know. But that's another shot of what, what Chazir is called Chazir. But, this year we're focusing on this one, Lashon Chazara. And the message is, Yesh Lomot Inyan Tov, Lachzara Pam Achar Pam, Lo Lehis Yaish Bechol Matzav Shehu, Velo Laabed Et HaTikvah, not to lose the hope um, in this regard. Okay. One, um, oh, and he quotes a story related to this. He quotes a story for, about uh, Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel during the Shiva. Rav Nassim Tzvi, obviously we know, Rachman al-Islan suffered um, during the years from Parkinson's and uh, the, the latter part of his life. So there was a man that came to be Menachem, Avel, the family, who also had Parkinson's. And he had the same doctor that Rav Nassim Svi had. Also Yehudi Siper Shemiyaz Lachav Amach Lo Eno Matzliach Leftoch Daf Gemaru Bekoshi Rav Olah Biyad Lachav Zoyzak Nesses. He finds it hard. Rachman Al Islam. This is all Rachman Al Islam. We should never know. But he finds it hard to do anything with the Machla. And the doctor said to him, the same doctor. He said, Yes, generally nobody can do anything. You're you're just like everybody else. That's true. But for some reason, Rav Nassim Svi continued to be Rav Nassim Svi. Again, nothing against the other person, but just. As a, as a model of someone who, who learns from the Chazer. Who didn't, in, in, in his situation, Rachman al-Itzlan, right? Any picture you saw of him, he was smiling, right? That he was, uh, he was pushing, but again, that's what we can learn from the, from the Chazer. The next thought, we mentioned it ten years ago, but, I just wanted to mention it again because it's, it's one of my favorites. And it's mentioned in the Sefer Yagdil Torah. And it's all about Yagdil Torah. Right, the Pasuk says when it comes to the kosher and the non-kosher fish, as we know, there are simanim given. 
a kosher fish, fins and scales. Parakut Aleph Pasuk Tes. Every word is darshaned. What do you mean, bamayim? What if it comes off on the way out? Okay, fins and scales. That's what we know. The Gemara, the Mishnah says a mesechas nida. The Mishnah says a mesechas nida. Really, every fish that has scales also has fins. Every fish that has scales has fins. First of all, to make a statement like that, you have to be a creator. Who would be able to make such a statement like that? In the Torah Shabbat Peh that was given, there were a couple of statements like this in, in Chazal. Who would have the audacity? Maybe somewhere in the Indian Ocean, they're going to find a fish that has right uh, scales, it doesn't have fins. It's never happened. Chazal said, whoever, every fish that has scales has fins. So ask the Gemara. So why does the Torah have to give us two simanim? Just say, Scales. Because if you know you have scales, you know the fish has, has fins. So just say scales. And the Gemara gives a very unusual answer. Lahagdil Torah ulahadir. That's the language of the Gemara. In Nida Mandafnunalf. Yagdil Torah viyadir. What exactly is that meant to mean? Yagdil Torah viyadir. So you might just say, okay, it's being, <laughs> the postures is, it's being more explicit. It didn't have to say it. What does the Gemara sometimes say? You know, right? It didn't have to say it, but it said it. But he quotes a thought from Rav Shol Alter um, to give shot to the Rashi. What's the purpose of skins, fins? What's the purpose of scales? Scales are protection. Scales are the armor of the fish. Fins allow the fish to swim. Fins, you know, allow the fish to, to, to move. Says the Yagdal Torah here. Yeshnam ke'elu shemistavkim l'shmar kayam. There are many out there that their spirituality is just protecting what there is. Mashkiyim rakhe b'chdesha ben lo yipo v'lo yikashel. Zenikra kaskeses. Let me just try to stay where I am. Let me just try to protect. That's not what life's about. Life's not about staying where you are and protecting because you know what? There's no static in life. You're never going to be able to just stay where you are. It's all about, it's all about going further. We can't just be people of scales. We have to be people of fins. We have to be people of taking it to the next level. Yagdil Torah v'yadir shetzorav gamet simen hatara hasheni shall snapir hasheifa legadolit kadem the striving to go further and to go up lorak bagashmi is obviously benaruchnius to always look at life as as um, opportunities to take it to the next level. Rav Lichtenstein writes in um, in the uh, in the sefer that he was interviewed with um, uh, the Rosh Hashiva of Malay uh, Dumim. Uh, so he writes there that you can look at life in two ways. You can look at life as a minefield. You can look at life as, oh, Shabbos, Borer, Tochen, uh, Lush, Hotza'a, Bishul. That's what Shabbos is. It's a minefield. I just have to make sure not to step on any mines. Uh, Kashrus, you know, Isurim. He says that's one way to look at it, and we should try to just protect ourselves. But that's not how life should be viewed. Life should be viewed as opportunities of growth, opportunities to strive and to 
and to run and to jump and to grab as many opportunities as, as we can in order to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to live a fulfilling life. It's not just about the, the scales, it's about the fins. It's about the striving to the next level. And that's Yagdul Torah V'yadir. The Sefer Yagdul Torah writes the word about Yagdul Torah. And that's how we have to uh, live our lives as well. A lot of these thoughts that we've said connect to each other. but um, So that's the thought from about 10 years ago, but it's repeated here. And finally, the last thought for the evening from Rav Salvechik. We have, towards the end of the Parsha, as we know, where we're getting into, the end of the Parsha gets into Tum Atara, which we're going to have over the next two, we- two Parshas as well, Tazria, Mitzorah, all about the laws of Tumah Vitahara. So we know, how do you make something? Tahar, two ways. A Kli, at least. A Kli, a person, there's one way to make Tahar, in a mikvah. Right? How do you make Kupakam Tahar? Right? The Pasuk says, and Pasuk Lamed Vav, Achmayan, Ubar Mikvemayim, Yet Tahar. Right? Those are the two choices. A Mayan, or a Bar Mikvemayim. Right? A Mayan is a spring. A Bar Mikvemayim is what we call a Mikvah. Yet Tahar. Mikvah means gathered. Gathered water. So one is through water. What if you have a klicheres? Klicheres you can't put into a mikvah. Pasuk Yudlamid Gimel by Shvi v'kol klicheres hashipah b'hem al tocho kol asher v'socho yitzma v'oso tishvoru. You got to break it. You could remake it, but a klicheres has to be broken and refashioned. Says the Rav, whose yard site was last week. We know Cholamoy Pesach. Try to always quote him right after Pesach. What exactly is the message of these two pathways of Tahara? Through water, right, or through destruction and rebuilding. These two laws represent two different approaches to the problem of impurity. Some types of impurity, symbolized by klicheres, must be totally rejected. There's no place to rehabilitate them. There's no place. There are some things that are there, dafka, for rejection, there's there's evil, there's amalek. Right, they're there, they have to be rejected. If if it's tumah that is internal, right? A how does a klicharis become tamay? By hanging something inside of a klicharis that symbolizes a tumah that's pnimi, that's inside. All other kalim you just touch from the outside, they become tamay. A klicharis you touch from the outside, no, it has to you have to have a sheretz bifnim. Right, that's a klicheres, it's tamei mitocho, not migabo. That symbolizes tumma that's internal, and that has to be broken. That has to be crushed and smashed and then rebuilt anew. That's one type. But most things in life aren't that. Everything besides a klicheres, right, metal and wood and glass, maybe according to many, doesn't even need, but all other materials, many other materials you can put in water. What does that mean? It means that you don't have to totally reject. You can modify. You can uplift. You can purify. Where the defilement is not internal. Right? Sometimes things have to be totally rejected and broken. But most of the time, the purification process is, is an ascent. It's a lifting up. The elevation of evil, the sanctification of the defiled soul... It's inclusion in the realm of holiness. Remember what we say at the beginning of Yom Kippur? Right? We bring in the Avaryonim. Right? By Kol Nidre. The Gemara says any Tainus that doesn't have Avaryonim there, we don't try to do Kiruv and bring those far away closer. Ain't a Tainus. Because for every Jew, 
And for most things out there, even in Kalim, it's just surface Tumah. It's not built in, and therefore we, the message is that we could take it. And we have to recognize that message, that sometimes there's only Tumah on the outside. There's something that looks dirty and vulgar, and yet inside it's pure. And the Rav Salvechik quotes here what he quotes in other uh, contexts. Stories in Tanakh. Benos Lot. Benos, uh, yeah, Benos Lot. A pair of vulgar, unwitting young girls, the daughters of Lot, were the sources of the power to begin everything anew. They believed the whole world was destroyed and it was up to them to create it. True, they did it in a horrible way. There's Tumah on the outside. But their primitive intention was good and that's the source of Malchus based David. That's the source. Also, Tamar. Yehud and Tamar, a naive and simple woman, showed the strength of waiting and hoping, of having faith even when she became the subject of mockery. Waiting. She could not tear herself away. Something fateful and comprehensible tied her. There was some type of Tara inside, even though it looked like Tumah on the outside. And that's what we learn from the concept of a mikvah. If somebody is Tameh, if an item is Tameh, it doesn't mean they have to be broken. Some things, extreme cases, have to be broken like a klicharis. But most of the time, they just have to be rehabilitated. Most of the time, they have to be put in a new form. They have to be given a new start. Right? The Sefer HaChinuch says, going into a mikvah, it's like the amniotic fluid. So we come out, we're like born again. The kli is born again. You tovel a kli to give it kedusha. That's how we have to look at most things in life. Most objects, and for sure, people, they're tumah, but it can't be purified. Here at Son that we see the beauty in each person in ourselves. Remember Aaron and Moshe? We see the beauty in ourselves, the beauty in others. Always recognize past, present, and future to be able to get the proper uh, perspective and in that way be able to make the right judgments about others and about ourselves. And again, it's wonderful and amazing to be back here. Hashem, we should continue uh, in person with Hashem. We'll see if we could try to get a Zoom set up, but uh, if not, I guess everybody just has to make Aliyah and come to shul, Hashem, and uh, be able to be uh, to be part of it. Okay, wonderful. Have a great night.